This is a message from our sponsor. I'd like to introduce you to Publica by IAS, the award-winning CTV ad server trusted by some of the biggest streaming services and smart TV manufacturers globally. Publica helps a growing number of leading AVOD and FAST services to power the programmatic ad break decisioning via products including a unified auction, server-side ad insertion, and a demand-agnostic ad server built from the ground up around streaming. Head to getpublica.com to find out how they help CTV publishers to grow their advertising revenues and provide streaming audiences with linear-like TV ad break experiences. Welcome to Marketecture, where you can get smart fast with in-depth interviews of leading technology executives. I'm Ari Paparo, and I'm joined today by Zach Rosenberg of Cortex. Zach, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Ari. Now, can you help the audience with the spelling of your company's name? Because it's not, it wouldn't be your first guest or your second or your third, (laughs) probably, guest. And I don't want people to have to Google you forever. So help us out here. Of course, it's Q-O-R-T-E-X, pronounced cortex, like the part of your brain which helps make decisions. That's where the name derives. Right, that if you lost oxygen to that part of your brain, you might be able to spell it properly your first attempt. (laughs) Well, Um, think of other uh, companies in our space with a Q name. There's not very many versus C's and other things. So we thought it would help us stand out. I once made the point that I thought that it was always suspicious if an ad tech company had an X in their name, and then someone pointed out that I had an X in my company's <laughs> name, and I hadn't remembered that because it was at the end. So now you're pointing out I'm in great company. That's what you're trying to say. You are. Yeah. The X is a sign of strength in an ad tech company, right. in my opinion. So what does Cortex do? So we are best known for our in-video ad experiences called OnStream, which align to the content in real time through our second product, which is called Intelligent Video Analytics. So the actual understanding of the who, what, where, why, when is happening in the content. So now these two work together so that if you see a basketball game and LeBron James is in it and he's sponsored by Nike, we can serve a relevant ad in the content for Nike based on the Intelligent Video Analytics. Okay, cool. We'll go into that in some more depth. Let's get a quick overview of the company. Where are you based? What's your size? And what's your funding history been? Sure. We are now headquartered in Hudson Yards. I moved into an office a few months ago. Oh, nice. Right now I'm in Montclair, New Jersey, which if anybody who knows me out there knows, I talk a lot about Montclair, New Jersey. So that's a thing there. It's the capital of independent ad tech in New Jersey. I can name a hundred people and I'm sure you can too, folks who live around here. Our funding history. So we recently just raised 10 million led by GFT Ventures and SRV. And that happened late last year in a time when fundraising wasn't happened. So we're very happy about that. Total company history, we've raised over $12 million now. And we're about great. 30 people, or we should be by the end of the quarter. All right. Sounds great. So let's talk about the first product, the on-stream product. Mm-hmm. Explain this to me in some depth. So this is not a pre-roll or a mid-roll. This Correct. is an overlay of some kind? Yeah. So it's a completely incremental revenue stream for your video. It is a number of different overlay formats that can be built using standard display or native or even video formats across the web, CTV devices, and in-game. Right. So what do they look like? Are they they boxes? Are they like Google's old overlay format? Yeah, there's a number of different formats, as I said. And it really, we built the system in such a way where it's reactive to the user experience. So if you're watching on a movie Mm -hmm. theater screen, you're going to get different formats than if you're watching on your phone, for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. We're trying not to interrupt the experience terribly much. So it could be the type of thing where it wraps around the video could be the type of thing where it overlays in the bottom left or top right, could be a banner across the bottom or something like that. 
as I said, depends on both the ad response we get and the size of the screen. Okay, so let's talk targeting first, I guess. So what are the targeting options to the advertiser? So anything you can do programmatically, and that's one of the biggest differentiators between this product and every other overlay product that you've ever heard of. Anything you can do programmatically, you can do with OnStream across the web, across CTV as well. So you can use your DSP of choice, you can use your SSP of choice, whatever the case may be, we're pretty much agnostic to that. What we offer over and above is that moment level targeting through our intelligent video analytics. So the idea, you know, as I said, with LeBron James and Nike, we're actually going to be able to kind of contextualize the placement of the ad based on certain triggers. Those triggers could be actions, events, feelings within the video content itself. Do you control that or is that something the advertiser controls? On the moment side, it's us who's controlling it because Mm -hmm. none of the DSPs, SSPs seem to support that capability, at least today. Hopefully they will over time, but anything that can be done on an audience basis can be done through us. Okay, so I'm using a DSP, Trade Desk, DV360, whatever, and I have one of your special creatives. I assume it's a special, some sort of special creative. No, just standard native, standard display, unless we're doing some custom options, which of course we could do a lot of cool custom options, but you know, for 99% of people at this point, they're just using off the shelf creatives. Okay, so I'm using off the shelf creative. Do I have to target deal ideas that you've set up previously or do you have your own exchange? Yeah, so most of those campaigns will run through some sort of PMP or PG deal. But yeah, mm-hmm. all programmatically based, as I said, unless we're managing the service, which is totally fine. Okay, right. And so we did a show about curation a couple of weeks ago. So are you the seller in this instance or is the publisher the seller? The version of our product, which is most popular enables the publisher to be the seller and we're just the Mm -hmm. technology provider. And that's our preference as well. We just want to be the technology solution. Great. So I use my DSP. I set whatever parameters I want to set, my budget, my frequency cap, blah, blah, blah. I buy an ad. I win the auction. And now you have some technology inside the video player that receives this ad. It does not show it. It holds it until you found the right moment to show it. Is that accurate? Yeah, it is accurate. And certainly the publisher gets control over those settings too. You know, do mm-hmm. they want to serve an ad every one minute and 11 seconds with five minutes in between? Or do they want to make a certain percentage of their video available? In which case our decisioning engine can get in there and say, this is the right time, this is not the right time. But you also have to remember the addressability of our overlays versus others. You know, most of the time when you're inserting some sort of overlay into the content, it's fixed, fixed timing, fixed placement, fixed ad. Here, because it's completely addressable, the timing could differ for you and me, right? I could get something based, you know, here in New Jersey, you could get something based in New York, and that could be a different spot in the content or based on what you or I know about you. Right. And from a publisher's perspective, this is in addition to whatever sort of in-stream monetization they might be doing. And by that, I mean like a pre-roll. That, that's exactly right. Yeah, we don't interfere with pre-rolls, mid-rolls, or anything like that. And again, that's on the web or CTV. And you know what I'm hearing from a lot of publishers is that there's a number of DSPs and buyers who are kind of squeezing the ad pods. So if they see any calls or requests over one minute of inventory, they're actually not bidding at all on the pods. And so publishers have to be looking for new incremental revenue streams from video. And that's exactly what OnStream provides. We actually have a publisher 
not even a video first publisher, which tells you the power of this, but on track to do over a million dollars in their first year of incremental video revenue. Right. This may be a little technical, but how do the DSPs represent the inventory in their system? Do they represent it as video or in-stream, out-stream, or is it more like banner or what? It's a billion-dollar question. Yeah. You're asking exactly the right thing. So I could tell you how we position it. That's not necessarily how they position it. Yeah. So. I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about what you actually see in the UI when you want to choose one of these things. So they're seeing us as a kind of a standard display offering. I, mm-hmm. It would be my assumption across most of our partners. But yes, when we're talking about the product, we're talking about video metrics because this we view as a video solution, not just another display placement. Tell me about the creative again and the sort of strategies or objectives that your advertisers are looking for. Is the point of this creative to be clicked on or more interaction? It's certainly the goal of where we want to take the experiences to be far more interactive. And only a handful of advertisers have really taken advantage of that today but I assume that's going to be a lot more in the future. In terms of, you know, the creatives themselves, the ideal way of using it is, again, component-based but native, because then we can adjust it, and it could be clickable, of course, right? right? The same goes for CTV. So the same creative you give us for web also extends into CTV. The only difference is that we automatically add a QR code when it goes into a CTV channel. Oh, that's nice. And do you see results on these ads? Are they interacted with and clicked on and QR'd. They scanned, are. Well, QR is a whole different thing because, you know, I've heard advertisers say that they measure that in scans per millions as opposed to uh, clicks per thousand, right? But what I will say is when you think exponentially and not incrementally, that's what we deliver. So what I mean by that is oftentimes advertisers are like, oh, we're, we're looking for a view through conversion rate of 88%. And if we get to 89%, fantastic. Or we're looking through a click-through rate of 0.1, but if we get 0.11, fantastic. What I'm saying about OnStream is that we've been measured by Lucid to drive awareness increases, consideration increases, purchase intent increases of over 30% when their benchmark for those metrics is sub 2%. And that's when you do something different, you're going to get wildly different results. And by being associated or part of the content, and not only more viewable to the user. But if you're actually aligned with the content as well, that's why you see exponential gains. Got it. On the publisher side, do they have to do anything? They need an SDK, I assume, in their video player. They do not. So how does the ad get in there? JavaScript? Correct. So there's about four different ways. We have a pre-bid solution, so they could just add Mm -hmm. us as a header. They can implement that way. We're built into a number of video players, so they can actually go into their dashboard and just click us on. They can do it through Google Tag Manager, Google Ad Manager, Tag on Page. If you can think of it, somebody's asked us for it. Great. But in a CTV environment, like a real CTV environment on the... Still the um, JavaScript in the player. Still JavaScript in the player. Okay. I'm not technical enough to debate you on this subject. So we the, you said you had a second product. Is this really a separate product or is it sort of supporting the first product? You know, it, it was a result of the first product. You know, we knew okay. if we ran overlays over pornography for Pepsi, that was going to be the end of the business, right? And that's why all of our competitors do it in a much more stitched in way where they're actually getting the content in advance. They're looking for the spot Mm -hmm. placement. That was never going to scale, nor could we compete if it was just about who's got the bigger sales teams. So we had to do it more technologically. When it came to the product, we started to develop this almost immediately out of the gate. We knew that understanding needed to come in if we were going to better target. And so we've been working on this since basically our first dollar in 2020. That 
moment came when people started to say, wait, what's the technology you're using to actually identify what's in the content? Oh, we built that in-house. Well, what are you doing with that? I don't know. What are you going to do with it? And that conversation started to evolve where the interest was very clear that nobody really seems to know what's in video content. And there's such a sea of it that I found this stat and I love it. If you were to watch every video on the internet back to back, it would take you 17,000 years. If you're an advertiser out there and you're just, you know, targeting blindly against the audience and not knowing what the content is, how can you possibly see the results you're expecting? Right. Yeah. I mean, when I watch every video on the internet, the second and third season tends to lag a little bit. <laughs> so what's this video analytics product and who do you sell it to? So the do? intelligent video analytics is built in two ways. It's API based for platforms, players, you know, publishers, so that they can access all the information about the content they have access to. And from the advertiser side and the brand side, a more of a tag-based solution that allows them to understand and optimize against the content itself. And what sort of outputs does it provide? What does it tell you about the content? Well, it's three main areas. So targeting, placement, and creatives, right? If you're looking for basketball content versus cooking content or don't know which one necessarily performs better, that's part one. Part two, is this a premium environment and how do I define that? And then step three with the creative, you know, if you're got a very happy, funny set of creatives, but the content is really solemn and somber, probably a misalignment there that you're not recognizing because, again, you don't know what the content is. Right. So who's using this and how are they using it? Still a handful of partners to date. More to come on that as we get past the beta stage, but some very exciting names, which you'll certainly recognize. So is this product sort of like nascent? It's like kind of early in? Yeah, and that was the result of the financing last year. I see. Right, so that's where the money is now going, as opposed to where it has gone. Is the expectation that you're going to be using this sort of as a pre-bid solution and a targeting solution? That's ultimately where we're heading, on top of a hundred other things. But yes, that's absolutely one of the applications. Got it. Makes sense. Let's talk about the economics. So is this a typical media economics where you just take a piece of the action when you sell the ads? Yeah, so for the on-screen product... Basically, it's a usage fee when they sell their ads into it, and it's a rev share mm -hmm. when we do. Okay. So pretty cut and dry on that standpoint. And for the intelligent video analytics, it's minutes-based. So the number of minutes that you need us to analyze mm -hmm. the process and based on a different level of services and information you're looking for. So on the streaming product, the publisher is paying. So they're paying a fee if they use it themselves through their ad server. That's right. Or a bid reduction if the buyer buys it. That's correct. Yeah. And is there like a minimum campaign size on the buyer side? So it depends if they're looking to attach a study to it. Mm. You know, $25,000 a month is typically the minimum. But if they're looking to do a study, it usually has to be quite a bit above that. $25,000 in media per month in order to do this. Yeah. So it's not generally available on the open exchange. You're, you pretty much have to call you, do a deal ID and kind of get it done. When we sell, yes. But for our publishers, as I said, we're just the technology provider. And yeah. so they are typically, you know, just connecting their stack into our placements. And so that's the way that it would be available in a more open sense. But yes, when you're coming directly through us, we're looking for something a little different. Your website says something like, no video, no problem. Like, just give us some text and we'll create an ad. Yes. Can you walk me through that? What does that mean? <laughs> so 
Is, is your mind already spinning around generative? Is that where... Uh, I don't know. I mean, guessing? like, I would think if I'm running a video ad, I need a video ad. So uh, Well, that, and that's uh, the beauty, know? as I said, of, of the creatives is that we're just taking standard display and standard native. So you don't need a video asset. And part of the reason that we say it that way is opening up the door to people who couldn't typically advertise in video, right? If right. you're targeting video advertisers, you're going after the Fortune 500. Now, because of the nature of our creative, I can go to my local barber shop and they can become a video advertiser in minutes. And so the, the point there is to say, I like these stats as well. Facebook and YouTube, half of their advertisers come from small and medium-sized businesses who cannot, sorry, not YouTube, Google, cannot typically participate in video advertising. But now this way they can. Got it. Is there anything you want to say about your future, your roadmap, new products, et cetera? Certainly. How much time do we have left for all that discussion? But... <laughs> I'd say one thing I'll start with is keep an eye open for artificial, artificial intelligence. So really try to understand from the vendors who you're working with, are they just looking to license something off the shelf and call it their own, or have they actually built their technology and understand how it works? So that's part of the product roadmap that I want to talk through. And the second is the narrative around how we can help people understand that this is the golden age of video content. That we're mm -hmm. entering, not leaving that. And what I mean is, you know, this is something where I, I think you'll appreciate. Can you think of another industry where we make money tangentially to the product you create? Right. Only in advertising do we make money off of the audience who's consuming the content and not actually selling the content itself. It's like if you tried to make money off of somebody looking at your jeans, but not actually paying the jean manufacturer itself, right? It'd be very weird. And so in that case, you know, when we're providing all this intelligence about the video content and you actually go get to go out to the market, talk about the value of what the results are of the content you create. That's the future I'm excited for. Interesting. All right, let's do a quick lightning round. So relatively quick questions, relatively quick answers. Got it. Keep it concise. I hear you. Yeah. What's your biggest product or market challenge? The biggest challenge is, or at least what keeps me up at night is just speed. You know, we've been a very small team for a very long time. We've been out in market or at least been a company for about four years out in market for three. And still I walk into conversations every single day where nobody even knows these solutions are possible. So that's the thing that absolutely keeps me up at night. Got it. And that relates to my next question, which is what's the main thing that keeps people from using your product? I, I think it's simply that there hasn't been any feet on the street up until this point. It's been myself, co-founder, that's pretty much it outside of an engineering team. So I think just the ability to have more conversations and make people aware that we exist, one, and two, these are the capabilities is really the biggest challenge there. Yeah. Why won't the big walled gardens like Google, Amazon, Meta ultimately do this and crush you? You can ask that question about every company that comes onto the I do. Cast, I right? do ask that question about every company. Yes, yeah. And I do. how many have they actually crushed versus bought? You know, that's always the answer. If you do it really well, they're not looking to necessarily replicate from the ground up. They're just going to acquire. You know, that might crush other competitors, but that doesn't mean that they've killed the space. And even if this happens on YouTube or Facebook, there is a lot of video everywhere. And so those channels alone don't necessarily preclude us from being a very successful company. All right. Last question. If Cortex was an animal, what animal would it be? Whew. You saved the hardest one for last, huh? I always do. So let's see. 
I'd like to say that we are a bear. We yeah, are very well, versatile on land and sea. We're quite quick or certainly a lot quicker than you'd expect. We have the ability to be ferocious and caring where need be. And I like to think that we act a lot bigger than we are. How about that? All right. Well, there you have it. So, Zach, thank you so much for doing this. It was really interesting. We learned a lot about Cortex today. Thanks so much for having me, and I hope to do it again. Thanks for listening. New interviews are added every week at Markitecture.tv and your favorite podcasting app.